everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate, and today is Marvelous Motivating Monday. And since we are still celebrating Black History Month, and today, this Marvelous Motivating Monday happens to also be President's Day. So, speaking of the president, I decided to celebrate somebody who has shown a lot of just class all the way around. Recently, we saw her. She is one of the managers for the Donald J. Trump second impeachment hearing, and that is Congresswoman Stacey E. Plaskett. Now, I am going to be honest, I had never heard of her until this trial. So I went to her website because I believe to go get a bio on someone is to go to their own site, and they'll tell you what they want you to know about them. So I'm going to read what I found on Congresswoman Stacey E. Plaskett's website. It says she represents the United States Virgin Islands at large congressional district in the United States House of Representatives. She is currently serving her fourth term in Congress, and I am very surprised I had never heard of her, and this is her fourth term. For the 117th Congress, the members of the House Steering and Policy Committee unanimously appointed Congresswoman Plastic to serve on the House Committee on Ways and Means. And that's a big deal, everybody. This committee is the oldest and one of the most exclusive committees in Congress. That is definitely true. In true historic fashion, Ms. Plaskett is the first member from a U.S. territory and the fourth African-American woman to serve on this committee. Currently serving her fourth term on the House Committee on Agricultural, Congresswoman Plaskett previously served as the chair of the Subcommittee on Biotechnology, Horticulture, and Research. She is also a new member of the House Committee on Budgets. She previously served on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, as well as the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. She is a member of the Congressional Black Caucus, House Blockchain Caucus, and the New Democrat Coalition, where she is a co-chair of the Infrastructure Task Force and the at-large leadership member. Congresswoman Plaskett also co-chairs the Congressional Caribbean Caucus. During her time as a member of Committee of Transportation and Infrastructure, she advocated for improvements to critical infrastructure in the United States, Virgin Islands, and the insular areas. And the insular area means insulated people on an island. As well as the development of economically depressed rural and urban areas. As a former attorney in public finance law, she sees the importance of public-private partnerships and work to create constructive, innovative mechanisms for incentivizing economic development in underserved areas. During her tenure as a member of the Committee on Agriculture, 
She sat on multiple subcommittees, including Commodity Exchange, Energy and Credit, Livestock, and Foreign Agricultural, and chaired the largest agricultural subcommittee, Biotechnology, Horticultural, and Research. On these committees, she has worked to ensure that the Virgin Islands and other rural committee, excuse me, communities receive adequate funding for necessary rural development programs, including public infrastructure development, access to high-speed broadband, and small business support. She has advocated to protect programs that provide needed supplement assistance to hardworking families. Wow, Mm-mm-mm. this is really this is really impressive, and I can't believe I've never heard of her until recently. As a member of the Committee of Oversight and Reform, she's applied her skills as a former prosecutor to ensure accountability and transparency both within government and private sector entities who operates, excuse me, whose operations impact the Virgin Islands community and communities across America. Okay. She earned a degree in Georgetown from Georgetown University School of Foreign Service and her JD from American University's Washington College of Law. She has a long history of public service, having started as an assistant district attorney in the Bronx DA's office, as well as having worked as a political appointee at the Department of Justice, where she served as senior counsel under both. Deputy Attorney General Larry Thompson and his successor James Comey. Oh wow, she oh look at that. In the Virgin Islands, she served as general counsel for the Virgin Islands Economic Development Authority, charged with the economic development of the U.S. territory, and also worked in private practice as counsel and transactional attorney of numerous companies. Wow, Mm-mm-mm. you know. And she is a mother of five, and she is married. I just want um, to just do that little bit of background on her because, as I said, I was very unfamiliar with her. And all the articles that I read about her, I think the New York Times, they did a really good job just kind of breaking it down about her role. Because in the Virgin Islands, if anybody's been to any of the Caribbean islands or you know, anything just outside of America, whether it's Bahamas, Jamaica, things like that, things are ran a lot differently, you know. And I was wondering, being from the Virgin Islands, what type of power she has. And it was saying that she has limited privileges as a member of Congress because she represents a U.S. territory. So she cannot cast her votes on the House floor. Hmm. So... They decided since she could not vote to impeach President, former President Trump, she would be able to make a case against him in his Senate trial as a impeachment manager, and she was chosen by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Wow. You know, I really wanted to focus on her because this is Black History Month, and I personally, and I'm just speaking for me, I felt that she stood out from everyone else of other than the lead, of course, impeachment manager. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody did it to me. This is my personal opinion. They did an amazing job. But I think she stood out by the different things she addressed. And 
you know, these articles are also talking about um, how she is not going to just let people just do whatever they want and not speak out about it. You know, they were saying in a 2019 letter to Nancy Pelosi, she asked to be made a House impeachment manager in the first trial. And um, she cited the weight, she cited the weight the decision would carry for her constituents who do not have full voting rights, as well as her years of experience working in public service and as a prosecutor. She's quoted as saying, the party says the black women are the base and our primary support. And there are five black women in the house who are attorneys and only two of us are former prosecutors. Hmm. Well, I guess that's um, why she became one of the managers in the second trial. You go ahead, Stacey, standing up for yourself. You know, as I said, I thought she was very powerful. And I like how she mentioned how the attorneys was trying to use African-American women in a negative light when he was talking about what was going on. So let me kind of quote what I have in this article I read in New York. I actually saw it and I didn't write it or write it down or record it, but she's quoting addressing this in the New York Times and she's saying, quote, I'll briefly say that defense counsels put a lot of videos out in the defense playing clip after clip of black women talking about fighting for a cause or an issue, or a policy. It's not lost on me that so many of them were people of color and women. Black women, black women like myself, who are sick and tired of being sick and tired for our children, your children. This is why I want you guys to be motivated to be prepared for this day forward, because right now, you may not think politics affect your life, but I promise you they do and they will. There's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes. We need to start being um, informed and we need to pay attention because at this very moment, a lot of states have been, well, I guess it's not a secret since it's known, but it's not made headlines like it should. They are meeting to redistrict areas like in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and Michigan for sure, so that the the minority vote won't be as powerful in their minds if they don't have the right amount of um, representative. If they do redistricting and put more uh, representatives that do not represent, and I'm not saying either party, but you can be the judge of that. I mean, it's kind of clear but they put representatives that are not the ones for the people in which they're representing, this will be a problem. And if you think the last four years have been crazy, you better hold on and pay attention because if we don't speak out against things, especially women of color, this is Black History Month, and women of color, if nothing else, y'all have shown y'all are powerful. We've shown it politically Look at the definitely uh, the amount of money that the black community spends. I didn't realize it was as big as it is, but it is. And so we spend a lot of money. 
but women of color and that's all colors and my my caucasian sisters trust me we welcome any help any assistance we don't want to shut you out but we have to also focus on what is so this young lady stacy plaskett i just wanted to celebrate her on this marvelous motivating monday and what i did is i got some clips from her I wanted to get her literally minutes after the acquittal of the second acquittal of Donald Trump because I knew she was going to be on all the airways doing interviews. So they got an interview from her literally after the decision. And it was um, it was pretty interesting because it was on CNN with Abby uh, Phillips and Dana Bash. So I want you guys to just listen to what she said. And this is literally minutes after the second acquittal of Donald Trump. Thank you, Dr. Plaskett, thanks for being with us. So, you know, so many Republicans came into this impeachment trial clearly with their minds made up. Did you go into this trial thinking that you'd be able to bring 17 Republicans over uh, to the view that he, Trump was guilty? Or was this about the larger principle for Democrats? I think all of the impeachment managers as a team made the decision that we were presenting this case to 100 senators, as well as to the American people. And we did that through the evidence. You know, we worked really hard, along with a tremendous team of professional staff, to present a case to the people of what happened on January 6th, and even leading up to January 6th. And I think that there's no question in anyone's mind that the President of the United States incited insurrectionists to not only storm the Capitol, but to try and stop our republic, the peaceful transfer of power. As you heard from Mitch McConnell's own speech, he said the House managers proved the facts. They proved the facts of the case. And he even pointed to the events leading up to that insurrection and the fact that we made that case. They have looked for an excuse as to why to not to hold the president accountable, and for that, they're going to have to answer. Yeah, I mean, to that point, what went through your head when you heard McConnell essentially repeating your case to you after just having voted to acquit the former president, right. Donald Trump? Just disappointment in... Um, an individual who did not have the courage to think that his country was more important than his party and, the lead and his leadership. That, that was what I felt was great disappointment. As a parent um, and as an American, I think, however, that the, the thing that has given me hope is having seven um, Republican senators stand up for what's right and knowing that the overwhelming majority of Americans believe in the events as we saw it and as we demonstrated by absolutely overwhelming evidence. Um, all of those senators were witnesses to the crime themselves. And so I think that the evidence was there and history will judge those who did not support the conviction harshly. Uh, you said that you made your case on the evidence. You did not need witnesses. It would not have made a difference in bumping that number up higher than seven Republicans, uh, which is completely understandable. As you said, even Mitch McConnell basically said that. However, there are some Democrats that I'm hearing from, you're probably as well, uh, watching what happened and thinking that Senate Democrats in their deal-making with Republicans undercut you and other House managers by agreeing to go forward without witnesses. Did well, I think that, you know, I'm not going to get in what the negotiations among Senate members are. But listen, we rested our case 
um, before the defense did. And we were pleased that we had overwhelming evidence that demonstrated the facts and that article of impeachment, that Donald Trump did what we say he did. It was then up to the defense to put forward a case. Um, they did not, in my opinion. I think everyone was underwhelmed by what they said. They tried to come up with different theories that never addressed the issues at hand. And so uh, on the night before today, last night, we found out that uh, our colleague, Jamie Herrera Butler, did in fact uh, issue a statement which additionally corroborated what we had already proven. We came in this morning, made a motion for a witness. That witness was her, as you saw, and we wanted that statement on the record. We got that, along with the Republican uh, defense counsel, the uh, counsel for the president, saying that he possibly wanted 100 witnesses. He didn't get that. And so I think what you saw after that was senators had made their minds, made their decisions, and those senators who voted against found an excuse not to do the right thing. And I know that people are disappointed uh, that Americans, I, I listen, nobody wants to lose. I wanted to win this case along with all of the impeachment managers. I think you could see that in the amount of passion as well as meticulous work that we put into this case. Um, and so finding a reason as to why these senators wouldn't do that just baffles most people's mind. Uh, and I think it's that they have not put their country above themselves or above their party. We heard uh, lead manager Jamie Raskin just a few moments ago say that he was the one who decided not to call Mike Pence and other potential witnesses. As a prosecutor and as someone who, as you said, you were trying to build a record for history, uh, never mind whether or not you had enough evidence, which you believe that you did, would you have liked to have heard from people like that for the record books, for the history books, regardless no, of whether it changed folks? Let's remember that in the first impeachment trial, we were requesting a witness of Mr. McCann, right? That's still in litigation. That witness has still not come forward. And so are the American people going to wait for another year of us litigating to have the vice president come forward, who was not going to be a friendly witness? Kevin McCarthy was not going to be a friendly witness. They were going to drag this out in courts as long as possible. We believe that the evidence has shown what is what what in fact happened in an overwhelming manner, um, and that history will judge it that way, as well as the American people saw what happened on January 6th. And, um, you know, the case was presented and the evidence was uh, was there. And whether those individuals came forward and, and spoke is, is never to be known. You know, one of the things as a prosecutor you know, you don't of your own volition necessarily call a witness that you don't know what they're going to say. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know, I don't know what Mike Pence is going to say. He has, although he told the president he was not going to... Um, going to follow his last instruction to obstruct the constitutional um, powers of duty that he had to certify the election. He went along with him for almost four years prior to that in all of the, de the despicable things that this president did. So would he have told the truth? Who knows? Uh, for yesterday afternoon, for those who have been watching these hearings, you took a moment to criticize the defense counsel's prevalent use of black women and people of color talking about fighting in these video montages that they played. I want to play a little bit of that moment for our viewers. I'll briefly say that defense counsels 
put a lot of videos out in their um, in their defense, playing clip after clip of black women talking about fighting for a cause or an issue or a policy. It was not lost on me as so many of them were people of color and women, black women, black women like myself who are sick and tired of being sick and tired for our children, your children, our children. This summer, things happened that were violent, but there were also things that gave some of us black women great comfort, seeing Amish people from Pennsylvania standing up with us, members of Congress fighting up with us, and so I thought we were past that. I think maybe we're not. There's no question that what happened on January 6th has an undercurrent of white supremacy, anti-Semitism, and so much more. What message do you think this, this acquittal verdict sends to the white supremacists and domestic terrorists and to the people that they targeted, not just on January 6th, but in general? Well, I think you've seen through the actions of some members of both the House and the Senate that they agree with some of those actions. Um, some of them agreeing with it on January 6th and immediately thereafter, and some potentially by their vote. Uh, and I think that we need to be careful of what we have going on in this country, the kind of uh, rhetoric as well as actions that have been condoned and fanned and flamed um, by the past president, Donald Trump. But I want everyone also to be aware that the majority of senators did not agree with that and voted against it. And the majority of members of the House in impeaching President Trump also agreed that that is not America. And so that as well should give us hope. There's a lot of work that we have to do. Listen, Abby, I believe that as a black woman, I had a responsibility to say something. If we're put in those places and put in those positions, that to whom much is given, much is required. And that that was not an opportunity and not a place that I would not speak about what they were attempting to do in terms of dog whistles and gaslighting that was happening um, in those videos. And I think that we're going to continue to see people stand up, people like yourself, people like me, people like Dana Bash and others who believe in what's right and are going to call it when they see it. You're also uh, a prosecutor, uh, and there's now the possibility that Trump could be charged criminally or civilly for some for some of the things that happened on January 6th. And before that, would you bring that case? Would you uh, recommend that the Biden Department of Justice uh, bring a criminal case against Trump now? Well, I think that my job right now is to be a member of the House of Representatives. I'm not going to uh, try and tell both the Justice Department, who will be run by amazing, fine people. I want to shout out my sister, Kristen Clark, who's heading up the Civil Rights Division coming up. Um, and then to those individuals who are in the New York the Attorney General, as well as in Fulton County, they're going to make decisions that are appropriate for their people, for the American people, and we'll wait and see. Are you, would you agree, though, that he is criminally liable? At this point, uh, listen, I think that the charges that we brought were in fact criminal. I think that we proved that he is in fact an inciter in chief. That is in fact criminal um, for an individual to raise themselves up to try and destroy this republic. He led an insurrection, albeit an attempted one that failed, but an insurrection against the republic. That is a high crime and a misdemeanor.
Before we let you go, we wanted to ask you to just reflect on what it's like to be a House manager in such a historic uh, event like an impeachment in the trenches with your Democratic colleagues, many of whom, I should say, including yourself, are part of the younger generation of the Democratic caucus. Oh, well, thank you for saying that I'm younger. <laughs> I don't know if my children would agree with that. But um, what I will say is that, you know, no one could be finer than to have a lead manager like Jamin Raskin, who I also had had the pleasure many, many years ago of being a student in law school as well. And so I think that there was a camaraderie, but also a teamwork and knowing that we were there for a higher good um, to demonstrate that we will fight for this republic. Everyone just dug in. There was no great personalities. No one was better than the other. Everybody did the work, um, really trying to be very thoughtful, uh, supportive, even critical of one another as we tried to prepare for this trial. Because who would have thought that a president of the United States would try and overthrow our government? Um, and so we saw that as something that was profoundly important. And I think we and the tremendous, tremendous staff that was with us worked that way. Impeachment Manager Stacey Plaskett, you are a delegate from the, uh, the United States Virgin Islands, and we are grateful for your time this evening. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Well, I'm just going to end that subject, but I wanted to celebrate her because, as I said, until I did research on her, I didn't know anything about her. So I'm so glad that I got to see the interview immediately after the acquittal that's, excuse me, the second acquittal. And since it was President's Day, I just wanted to celebrate this young lady for her and her whole team. I am giving the entire team credit um, for doing an amazing job. And it was pretty cool when she said that the lead manager was one of her um, law professors, which means that he felt from probably back then she was a brilliant student and why he picked her on to be on his team of uh, managers for the second impeachment trial. So that says a lot about her. I'm not going to bore you guys on this uh, President's Day, but I just thought as a dedication to Black history and a motivational person from what I've seen of her in the last couple of days, that I would celebrate on this marvelous Motivating Monday, Miss Stacy Plackett. And I just want to say bravo. Keep doing what you're doing. As Dana Batch said on CNN, she's one of the um, younger, up-and-coming Democratic Party representatives. And I just want her to keep doing what she's doing. And I'm glad we were introduced to her for people like me who didn't know who she was. And... I don't think it's cool, but I guess that's the rules right now that the territory representatives don't have the same privileges as everyone else. That's a whole nother subject. But I'm going to end this President's Day with saying just keep the faith. Keep celebrating being who you are from African Americans. Please not only celebrate the past Black history, look into the current Black history and celebrate that information with your kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, neighbors, whoever. And a lot of our Caucasian friends and people of other ethnics do want to learn more about black history. So if there's anybody you know to want to know some more about black history, 
Give it to them. Give them the information you know. Maybe you can do some research together and you can find out some things you didn't know. So I'm going to end this with saying, please follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. And you can also send us an email with any questions or comments you may have at podcast host shapete19 and that's all small letters and you can definitely give us a call if you have any questions comments or any subjects you would lo- like for us to look into you can give us a call at 404-855-7723 and you know we are on all the podcast channels spotify pandora itunes google play excuse me uh, Podbeam, which is my uh, hosting uh, app, and also um, Amazon Alexa Tune In. So we're everywhere, and just put that notification on so that every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, once I publish the episode, you can hear it right off the bat. So, you know, I like to end all my episodes with the question, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening. <laughs>